Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Physiatry Mentors. I'm Dr. Sheena Buba. I'm Dr. Benisha Williams. And together we are Shanisha. <laughs> All right. So, hope everyone had a safe Fourth uh, of July weekend. Exciting guest today who's going to be joining us is Dr. Tyler Bates. He is a U.S. Air Force flight surgeon who will be applying to PM&R next year. So Dr. Bates, thank you so much for your service and we're looking forward to hearing more about what exactly you do. Um, so I'll let kind of Benicia take the next steps here. Yes, Dr. Bates, thank you so much for joining us. And like Dr. Buba said, thank you for your service. We appreciate you. Um, so tell us a little bit about your educational background. Tell us where you went to undergrad, medical school, your intern year. Oh yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, you guys are putting forward a great resource and I'm hoping that I can uh, help add to this resource because I know there's a bunch of uh, military members that are also interested in PM&R and it's kind of one of those forgotten specialties and well I think it's kind of forgotten also in the civilian world too. So we were talking earlier, I grew up in Idaho, I stayed local, went to Boise State, decided to save money, had lots of schemes with that as well. Uh, just kind of thinking back on this, I've been scheming for 13 years planning and I'm still in the middle of planning on trying to get somewhere. Uh, so, and during that time, I actually worked as a physical therapy aide, which is what inspired me to actually pursue PM&R. I saw so many people that could utilize the non-operative management uh, first or then had surgery and then needed more additional management. I uh, happened to get accepted to Rocky Vista University. It's a DO school in Colorado. I didn't really know anything about osteopathy at that point, but I was quite happy to have discovered it. I uh, love OMT, found it quite useful. And then Rocky Vista was great being in the mountains of Colorado, being able to have a little, a little bit of fun, did as much as I could to take advantage of learning opportunities and a little bit of play opportunities. And then being from the West, I decided to move all the way out to the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania for my internship. I did a rural transitional year internship associated with UPMC in a town called Altoona. Um, it was a well-rounded intern program uh, because as flight surgeons, we kind of have to do anything. So I wanted to be prepared and then also wanted to uh, have an associated PMNR program that I could meet people and network in. Uh, so, as I said, I was planning from the beginning, and we're still in the middle of it. Yeah, I like it. I, I like a planner. I think Nietzsche and I are both um, hardcore planners. So. <laughs> um, so, why don't you go ahead and kind of tell us, you know, why did you decide to enlist in the military, and um, why specifically the Air Force? Yeah, so I am actually a military child myself. My dad was a flight surgeon, and then he did PM&R, which is also how I know about it. Um, so I'm not actually that creative, but that's why I joined the Air Force as opposed to the Navy, which is what he did. Um, I had to be a little bit different there. Uh, and actually, we uh, right before I started med school, we were on a bike ride and he's like, hey, I want you to rethink and actually reconsider joining the military. He's like, I know you've thought it through, you're gonna go straight through, you know you wanna do PM&R, but think about it, get a little bit different life experience and think about it. Fast forward a few months, I was sitting in cardiology lecture. I remember this part vividly, not the lecture, but I realized, hmm, I'm gonna graduate from med school, go somewhere for residency, probably move home, take over my dad's practice, retire and die. I thought that sounded boring, so I called the recruiter the next day. 
Um, I only considered joining the Navy and the Air Force. Uh, part of it is uh, a lot of branches have their biases and nobody really likes the Army. Everybody makes fun of the Air Force and then the Navy is just off on ships. And so <laughs> the Navy had filled up all their scholarships since I had applied late, but the Air Force said, hey, you've already done all of your security clearance paperwork for the Navy. How about you just join us instead? And so that's how I ended up in the Air Force. I, uh, though I always liked planes, I actually considered being a pilot myself. So joining the Air Force was a, uh, a good match. That's very cool. I grew up in Fairfield, which is very close to Travis Air Force mm -hmm. Base. So I've had a lot of friends and family in the military. I'm sure you've been there. It's a huge Air Force Base in California. So tell us, you've now completed your intern year, you're telling us, um, and you're currently practicing as a flight surgeon. Tell us exactly what that is and how long you've been doing that. Yeah, that's a great question. What exactly is a flight surgeon? Um, it varies a little bit by base by base, but the summary is we are the primary care docs for pilots and flight crew. Uh, it varies uh, the missileers that operate uh, the missiles, uh, the guys flying the drones, uh, pilots, uh, the special forces guys, all of those have special duty considerations and we are considered their primary care doctors. Um, so that's kind of the normal clinic thing we do. We take care of them, but we do a lot of other things. We do occupational medicine. Uh, first and foremost is we have to figure out what our patients do. So a great part of the job is I have to go fly for four hours every month. I know it's a really big sacrifice we got to make. Um, so I fly two different jets at this point uh, in the back as a passenger. Um, one of them's a nice business jet. And the other is uh, actually the T-38, which is a supersonic jet trainer in the back, uh, hence where the selfie came from. But uh, that's part of it. We have to go visit the air traffic controllers, make sure that their shops are all clean, occupational standards. Uh, we do some sort of OSHA type visits. We do public health inspections, uh, making sure that the food's good, uh, adequately uh, stored. Uh, let's see. I also wrote down other things we did because there's a lot of things. Um, and we're kind of honestly the go-to doc. When something comes up that they need an opinion of, because we're out there, we're seeing, we're seeing the people that are doing the job of the Air Force. We kind of know how that is. We're kind of the consultant type doc. Hey, what's going on out here? What's, what's the feeling of this? Uh, what are the concerns? Um, and, but there is some variation by location and what the mission of the Air Force Base is. Uh, you mentioned being from Travis. Travis is a, a really big base, but they're pretty much the Pacific Ocean or the receiving end of anything on the Pacific Ocean. So the military members in Hawaii, Guam, Japan, Korea, if any of them get sick and need to come back stateside, they usually pass through Travis. So those flight docks not only are taking care of the the pilots there but they're also kind of involved in the transport of people back home whereas i'm at a training base i don't have to make those determinations and so like a flight surgeon can be like any specialty or you know is it like family medicine and those are the you know the physicians that end up like staying and being on as being a flight surgeon because you know you eventually want to do pm and r so are there people that just you know that's what they do that's their career is being a flight surgeon or is that like a stepping, stepping 
point Absolutely. There's actually a couple different routes. I'm what we call a GMO, a general medical officer, completed an internship uh, for the Air Force. It's then six weeks of training minimum. There's some additional uh, training courses that we do. The Navy is about uh, six months of training. The Army is somewhere in the middle. Um, so that's kind of the basic, and that's probably what 70 to 80% of the flight surgeons are. Uh, family medicine is a pretty big uh, feed in. They've actually started recruiting a lot of pediatricians uh, to try to be flight surgeons. Um, well, this is a deeper subject into it. Uh, we can get back to that in a minute. But uh, I've met OBGYNs that have decided, hey, I want to do flight medicine instead. Um, it's a little bit more business hours, not as many delivers, deliveries in the middle of the night. Uh, orthopedic surgeons. Uh, so you can pretty much do any specialty and then go into flight medicine, but most people usually start as a GMO. Those that really love it will do actually residency in aerospace medicine. It's a uh, one to two year residency. Some do a combination of residency in aerospace medicine with family medicine. So there's a whole variety of options. Neat, neat. Okay. Um, so, you know, you talked about, so you're going to be applying to PNR next year. Um, so is there like a requirement that you have to be a flight surgeon for a certain amount of years before doing that? And then when you do apply, I was doing some research, I saw that there's really only one in our uh, residency program in the military, and that seems to be at Walter Reed. So can you apply to that program and others, like in the civilian kind of world? How does that work? Yeah. So your first question uh, any minimal time being a flight surgeon, at least in the Air Force, it's usually two years minimum. Basically, they made the investment to move you somewhere. They don't want to turn around and move you within the two years. Yeah. Um, it also, yeah, I mentioned that it was six weeks, but it was closer to, it was a little over three months by the time I finished all of the additional courses. So, I mean, you're working for what, maybe nine months and then moving somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, as far as the military match, um, basically overall background information on the military match, every branch does it and they have a document called the HPERB. I don't know what it stands for. Everything's an acronym in the military <laughs> though. And it comes out every year. It came out a couple months ago and it says, we will be taking 15 people to do orthopedic surgery. Um, 10 of them are going to be going to this center five of them can train in civilian programs. Um, and it goes through every specialty. Unfortunately, in the Air Force, PM&R is not one of the specialties that is allowed at all. Um, in the Army, it's allowed. Um, they take five people a year for that. They take four people coming in categorical, and they take one person that's been either a flight surgeon or a battalion surgeon. The Army has a couple other options for GMOs. And then the Navy, every other, every third year or so, they'll take somebody for PM&R. Um, and yeah, that's all at Walter Reed. The Army has all of the positions for that. Uh, the Air Force uh, usually doesn't have as large of hospitals, so they'll outsource maybe 25 to 50% of their residents to civilian training. Uh, but yeah, all of it comes down to that document. Uh, and so for me, I had to do the military match initially. I knew I wanted to go civilian for my transitional year. I had to apply to the military match with my first match choice of being civilian deferred. And then backup was Travis and then San Antonio. Um, and they said, hey, 
we need to send half of you guys to civilian and you actually want to go civilian, go for it. Uh, so I was competing in both matches simultaneously. Some people think that they're shoo in the military match and the match day comes out and they find out they have to scramble and submit their applications on the civilian side, which is kind of hard considering those results come out December, January timeframe. So you kind of have to scramble and get some interviews in. But yeah, unfortunately, PM&R is not an option in the Air Force. Uh, so. I know, that's, um, it is unfortunate. I have a good friend of mine, Captain Dr. Clausen. <laughs> we did our <laughs> fellowship with each other, and he was in the Air Force, and he really wanted to go into PM&R when we met. He was like, yeah, I really wanted to do it, but I had to, cause he had already committed to being in the Air Force, and he's like, I have to do family medicine, I had to get permission to do my fellowship. But he said he's doing a lot of ultrasound and a lot of sports medicine, essentially a lot of MSK. And he's like, you know, PM&R would have been a perfect segue into this. And he said he probably wouldn't have even done a fellowship if he had the opportunity to just go straight into PM&R. But he's loving it and just got back from being deployed not that long ago. So he's a cool guy. Um, okay, so tell us more about practicing PM&R within the military. Um, how does it compare to having a civilian practice versus practicing as a physician in the VA? Yeah, great question. Unfortunately, I don't completely know. Um, so I will say what I do know, um, kind of like your friend that did family medicine sports med, I did try to find what replacements there were for PM&R. And I do know a little bit about that. The most common probably is the family medicine sports medicine route. Uh, that's actually a fairly new fellowship for the Air Force. Um, only probably the past five years or so have they started increasing numbers going to a, a sports medicine fellowship. Uh, they also have neurology and then uh, usually anesthesia pain, though neurologists and uh, family doctors can do the pain fellowship. It's uh, out of San Antonio. They do so many procedures. Um, so I actually spent one month at both Travis and neurology and one month in San Antonio they do a lot of procedures, really cool, but uh, they're kind of lacking some of the additional aspect that PM&R did, which is why I'm taking the roundabout method. Um, a lot of people would come to the neurologist, especially that had bounced through multiple specialties. And by the time they came to him, he's like, well, let's try acupuncture and you don't have a degenerative neurologic condition. So great, but you're still suffering from pain or some disability. Um, as far as the army goes, I did meet a couple of them at San Antonio. Most of them were doing outpatient type management, San Antonio, Walter Reed, a couple other bases around. Uh, some inpatient is done at Walter Reed, and then they have a center for the intrepid in San Antonio. But again, a lot of that is uh, contractors. Uh, military practice is similar to the VA, but a completely different beast. The greatest similarity is, hey, you need something you can walk to the supply closet and grab them a, a boot or a knee brace or whatnot and send them home with those uh, as opposed to attempting to order it and call multiple DME <laughs> companies figuring out which one the insurance contracts with. Yeah. Um, but then you of course have restrictions with active duty and especially with pilots, we, they can only take certain medications and have certain procedures done and stay on flying status. So, you have kind of a mix of both worlds. Gotcha. Um, oh, you mentioned, you know, you 
and have this plan and you kind of have an idea of you know what what needs to be done so what, what advice would you give to students who are interested in pursuing PMR that are in the military absolutely uh start early that goes right along with the planning um but even if you decide later on that it's what you want to do uh i think really just being aware uh the biggest probably well there's a lot of big things but the biggest thing to remember is actually you match a year early if you're coming from the military so because pmnr has categorical and advanced positions you can go back without having to redo an intern year if you want to do that and not have a year of unemployment you got you have to apply a year in advance so i will be applying this upcoming year as you said uh, 2021 2022 match cycle but i won't actually be starting or done with my military commitment until 2023 and so that's because everybody will be matching as a pgy1 doing their intern year and i'll come out of active duty service right into pgy2 so try to start early plan ahead for that one realize that nobody wants to redo an intern year um at least i don't and if somebody <laughs> does then they need help um so that's kind of a really big one i'm really glad that i found some mentors along the way that told me that because i had this shocking realization just probably about a month ago oh my my application aras opens in a year for me here um so that's the big one and then keep track of what you do we do so many things daily in work that are so many great experiences and nobody quite knows what a well not many people know what a flight surgeon does and then there's so many things on top of it um, that you just kind of have to keep track of those and sell those and prepare them in your application to show that you've been doing something over those four years convince people that you haven't been riding in the backseat of fighter jets for the last four years um, there's a little bit more work um, example of what i do i keep track of all of the visits that i have just kind of a basic uh, did I do OMT on them, neck pain, back pain, um, sinus infection type thing? Just keep it broad strokes there. Um, I was pulled to do admin for the last three months or so due to COVID as we were changing around the way that the entire base operates and medicine operates. And I was pulled for that and it was a lot of work. So obviously keeping track of that. Um, pain management champion. So analyzing the charts of those that are on opioids, seeing that they've had behavioral therapy, seeing that they've had PT. These are all just simple duties that everybody gets assigned in the military. Everybody's got to pull some slack, but just keeping track of those and making sure that you mention it. Uh, there have been plenty of former GMOs that go unmatched and talking to program directors and that it's because a lot of them didn't show any progression over the course of what they were doing during their time in the Air Force. Um, and then a little, one little secret, the GI Bill, it's mainly designed for those that enlist straight out of high school, don't get a college education. It gives them a, track, a chance to pay for education. Uh, I don't know how the loophole is there, but it is there even though the Air Force paid for my med school. I can still use the GI Bill to supplement my income during residency because I'm in a training program. So it's money that you earn, so you might as well cash in on it. 
course. <laughs> oh, that's huge, right. Um, and Ethan mentioned this, but I know following you on social media, so you have your own uh, YouTube channel that, you know, because of the experience that you had, you know, being a flight surgeon, obviously you're exposed to a lot of musculoskeletal medicine. And so tell us a little bit about, about what you do on your YouTube channel. Oh yeah. Uh, so I started a YouTube channel called Musculoskeletal Minute. I actually got really ambitious, decided to start it during intern year, uh, during one of my lighter rotations and then came hospital medicine again and it kind of died off. So I decided to revitalize it this last year. Um, and I think musculoskeletal medicine, I mean, you guys are in PM&R, you've gotten the extra education, but it's such a mystery to so many people. And I think part of that is my own personal opinion. There's a disconnect between what the boards test. They like knowing all of these rare degenerative musculoskeletal conditions and weird zebras, whereas 80% of people are going to suffer back pain, but there's nothing on there about a standard mechanical back pain. Um, and so I'm just trying to simplify that uh, mostly towards the, uh, the med student that scratches their head saying, wait, I learned all about these weird diseases, but I have to see this pain, this pair, this patient here that has this pain, what should I do? So I cover things like physical exam and now I'm starting to get into uh, simple reminders on OMT, just being a quick, easy way to look at it. And I'm also branching out into a podcast, which I decided to <laughs> get fancy gadgets for. So I really need to get the podcast posted uh, considering I bought the fancy toys. <laughs> All right, let's see, anyone from our audience have any specific questions for Dr. Bates here? So your commitment is four years? Yes. Is it, it's depending on how many years of medical school that they pay for ultimately? Mm -hmm. Very cool, so good. That is so exciting for you. And I look forward to the things that you have to bring to Team and R, it's gonna be yep. great. Yep. Walter Reed's great, San Antonio's. Um, Great program. All right. We have a lot of people watching. No one has any questions. Yet. I know. Got, They'll come. Got a good, good following here, but yeah. We're kind of a little bit of a uh, niche subject. Yeah. I know that people are out there. We have an Air Force uh, scholarship page, guaranteed at least twice a year. Somebody's like, "Hey, so I didn't see PM&R as an option. What? <laughs> I, what I know is that?" It, that is crazy to me that um, we've talked about before we went on live and how PMNR has flourished and how it came about because of the military and that it's just not an option. I do hope that that changes. I think we're just such a small field. People don't realize everything that we do and how it can be a benefit, but hopefully yeah. that will change in the future. I, Physical my, therapists, right? Are, are things, sorry, um, in the military, right? They do a lot of, you know, hands-on stuff like I think more than they would in the civilian world yeah we have I think there's a physical therapist at pretty much every base um, it's a definitely a needed field and they are able to practice at the top of their training so I work closely with our physical therapist here and she's able to order medications within yeah. limits she's able to order MRIs um, so it's something that they're able to do 
to be able to expand that and utilize what they've been trained to do. So that kind of fills up the the need for PMNR kind of fills that little bit of a slot for us too. Yeah. I think a lot of why PMNR isn't in the Air Force is probably my own opinion here, but is a misunderstanding of the specialty mm-hmm. of people think, oh, PMNR, isn't that basically physical therapy? Or they think, oh, PMNR, isn't that helping stroke patients walk again and know how to use a spoon again? And there's so much in between that that they don't realize is beneficial. And the military, the Air Force kind of in general likes to outsource a lot of things uh, medically. So if somebody suffers a catastrophic accident or something like that, they generally are going to go to a rehab center and work back. And yeah, civilian or one of the large medical centers, they're like, well, we don't need to keep it in a small base. Uh, Like for example, my current base, we have three flight surgeons uh, who see, we see the, uh, the pilots, the student pilots, the air traffic controllers. And then we have a PA that sees everybody else. And we have a family doctor that sees all of the spouses and retirees for the area. So there's definitely not going to be a PM&R doc here. Uh, but some of the larger places could definitely benefit from them. So it's just kind of a mix and unfortunately hasn't been sold. Um, okay, so a question. Um, can civilians apply to PM&R resident, right, military PM&R residency? Unfortunately, Walter Reed only takes those uh, five army people and the occasional Navy person is not open for civilians. I do believe, uh, thanks to all that PM&R Scholars has been doing, they had the Georgetown residency program on this last uh, week and they do some rotations at Walter Reed. Uh, So military hospitals similar to the VA definitely give you a good exposure for hands-on. Uh, no matter what residency you're doing. But uh, yeah, they're not open for civilians to apply to the full residency. There are, you know, um, some residencies, Diana, um, who like San Antonio, for example, they do some rotations, you know, they work very closely like with the VA, the polytrauma, you know, unit over there. I think there's maybe like five or six residencies in the country that have a very close um, affiliation with, you know, with the military, even though they're not, you know, military residencies. Good question. Sorry, my television turned on all of a sudden. <laughs> and I'm looking around, I'm like, can you turn this television off? I'm like, where did this, how did this happen? It was very strange. <laughs> um, awesome. So um, we always ask all of our guests, 90% of the time. <laughs> if you were not going to be a PM&R physician, what would you be? And you can tell us military-wise or out and medicine-wise, whatever. Both. Um, hmm. Well, the really easy answer is I'd be a marine biologist. Um, I'm, answer. I'm trying to think about other answers, but that's really no, that's what it amazing. would be. I'm like, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, that one I unfortunately threw out early on in the planning stage. Uh, it's a little bit of a saturated field, but hey, now that there's social media, I could have been a famous uh, Instagram marine biologist. Um, 
I thought pilot for a while. I'm extremely happy that I did the flight surgeon thing uh, to find out that I'm glad that I decided to not be a pilot. It's great. I, they do an important thing, but yeah, I much rather be a doctor. And I, uh, I joked around, you know, why choose between aviation and medicine as a, if I became a pilot, then I couldn't dabble in medicine without getting arrested. But if I become a doctor, I can be rich enough to own my own airplane. Um, it's a fun, fun joke. Turns out doctors don't actually make that much money. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Joke's it's been fun you. to dabble in both. <laughs> yeah. Joke's on me. We don't actually make as much money as people think. Yeah. That is an advantage to the military. Uh, we are paid a little bit more. We're paid more than residents. It's, it's nice to have a real paycheck, but uh, it's also the government. So it's not quite a full doctor's pay by any way. And I'm, I'm not board certified. If I was board certified, I'd get a good bonus. But as being a one year out of intern, I make pretty, pretty decent money if people are thinking about that. Um, but my advice is if, if you're at the beginning and you haven't signed up and you know you really want to do PM&R, just go through, do PM&R, uh, work with the military population as a contractor, um, unless you're kind of crazy like me and you say, no, I definitely want to be a flight surgeon and then I want to be a rehab doc, uh, go for it. But if you're really expecting, hey, this is 100% what I want to do, I don't want to work through any intermediate time, then I'd go that way. But hey, if you're already in the military, absolutely 100% follow your dreams. I received a decent amount of, hey, you know, you should probably just do family medicine, you know, just, just do that, just finish up through, don't take this little detour. But no, I wanted to be a flight surgeon and I wanna be a physiatrist, so stick through it. It's gonna take a little bit longer, but there's plenty of people that have done it. I've had probably, I can think of four mentors off the top of my head right now that have all been Air Force flight surgeons that have gone into PM&R programs. Um, I know on Instagram, I'm seeing all sorts of people that were previous uh, GMOs for other services that are doing it. So you're not blazing your own path if it's what you wanna do. Take the time, make sure that you enjoy it. Great, great advice. All right, one more random question. I know you dive a lot. Any, what, what's been your favorite like spot where you have dived? Oh man, this is the hardest question of all of them. <laughs> Good question. I'm spoiled. We'll start it off there. Um, hmm. So probably coolest, I got to go with Palau. Palau is absolutely amazing. It's an island in the South Pacific. Um, so being a military kid, I was actually born on the island of Guam. And I convinced my parents said, hey, I need to go back to my birthplace. You know, it's a senior <laughs> trip. And my mom's like, okay, we'll go back to Guam and dive only if we can continue on to Palau. And I mean, who's going to argue with that? Right. So it's probably about, it's in between Guam and the Philippines, if you don't know where it is. Um, it's this beautiful island. They love actually taking care of their ocean and they're part of the planet. And so it's beautiful, healthy reefs. They have all sorts of restrictions against fishing and stuff. So it was amazing to enjoy. 
Um, the people were enjoyable there. Um, yeah, absolutely amazing. Nice. Sounds beautiful. Hopefully one of these days when we can travel again, it'll be a nice place to put on the list. So I was going to say, Sina, put it on the list yeah. <laughs> so we can experience it. Definitely put it on the list. Yeah. Uh, COVID has kind of impacted us and uh, I gotta say I am really happy on my side uh, being removed not able to do audition rotations I am happy for things like what you guys are doing what human our scholars is doing as a great way to connect and interface but other than that COVID has been obnoxious <laughs> that I would agree we appreciate your support yeah yeah well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been great. I learned a lot. Uh, I did. Yep, I hope our viewers did too. And so if any of our viewers do have any specific questions for you, Tyler, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm open to anybody asking questions. Uh, you guys did a good job of tagging me um, around all of the places, Twitter, J. Tyler Bates, uh, Instagram, Underwater Diver. If you want to see some scuba pictures in there, that's kind of my personal one. Uh, but you're more than welcome to reach out through that. Um, and then also, as I said, Musculoskeletal Minute, it's, uh, I have Instagram, Facebook, and then YouTube and keep an eye out for podcasts that should be on the way. But any of those methods, I should be able to get a message somehow, or they can reach out to you guys, I'm sure, and you can forward it on, forward them on to me. Yep. Uh, Great. Awesome. We'd like to appreciate your service and thank you for taking the time out. Next week, guys, we have a treat. We have two of our um, favorite Pete, what we would call our PGY um, twos when we were PGY threes. <laughs> um, Dr. Keston Robertson and Dr. Nasser Ayad. They are both fellowship trained and Nasser trained at where Sheena trained at, right under her, and then Dr. Keston Robertson trained at um, where I trained at for my fellowship. So. Um, we'll have them both on and they both work in academic medicine. So they do what we do, but in academics, so it'd be a good, I good counterpoint to see. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome guys. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Thanks for joining.